0: Well, happy Thanksgiving week. Thank you very much. Uh, since, it's, since it's coming up next week, I, I thought it would be appropriate to give a Thanksgiving message. And um, so I um, just put together one, just based on a question that came to me. So what's so special about Thanksgiving? Well, that's going to be a different answer for a lot of people, but... Thanksgiving means basically a couple of different things. Number one, it's an event on our calendar in November. We, you remember. We get together and we celebrate, and uh, mostly by overeating and <laughs> me- meeting with our dysfunctional family members and all that kind of... But it's, it's really a good time of gathering. It's a good time of year. It begins For me, it begins the holidays, and it's just a wonderful season. I love what happens in that time of gathering. So that's kind of one... Definition of what is Thanksgiving. It's an event. It's a time we come together once a year and we celebrate uh, God, God's goodness, don't we? Keep There you go. But there's another part of that definition of what Thanksgiving is that I want to develop with you tonight. Got some scripture we'll be going through and some of these are really, really good. And uh, I'm excited to share with you the message here. But there's a, a part of the definition of Thanksgiving that reads like this. It's not just an event. It's not just a harvest festival developed from 1621 that was adopted as a holiday. There's something else that's deeper here. The, the definition, even in a secular dictionary, says the act of giving thanks. It's a grateful acknowledgement of benefits or favors, especially to God. So it's not bad. He, he got his due in that dictionary.com. So it's interesting. The first uh, I, as I thought about this, I thought I'm just going to go back and maybe pick up some things from scripture from the Bible about Thanksgiving and see if I can put some stuff together and maybe it'll make sense to us tonight. And uh and I just found a treasure trove of good stuff and so I'm going to share some of this with you. Uh, the first mention of Thanksgiving in the Bible, depending on the translation you use, but in the amplified, it's actually in the book of Genesis in chapter 4. And uh it's um, if you know, chapter four is a little further along. You start at the beginning of Genesis, it was the creation of the world and everything in it. Man was created, and then man and woman occupied the garden. They fell due to some, some deceit and some agreement with the devil, and they were sent away from the garden. And so there's three chapters of there's some disheartening stuff. Their first son killed his brother and blood was spilled, and he was sent away to a land called Nod, and it was far away. So all this has been going on, and at this point, mankind is in a precarious place. They're hanging on uh, to a foreign land that doesn't give up produce easily, and they've been expelled from the garden. And this is where we pick up in Genesis 4, verses 25. It says, Adam knew Eve as his wife again, And she gave birth to a son. And you remember Cain had already killed Abel. Cain had been sent away. So basically she's lost both her first children. So she conceives again. She gives birth to a son named Seth. And she said, and this kind of explains his name. God has granted another child for me in place of Abel because Cain killed him. And then it says in verse 26, and to Seth then was born. This is many years later, isn't it? So when Seth is old enough to be married and have children, it says he was born and uh, he had a son whom he named Enosh, which means mortal man. So far so good? Everybody recognizes the story? But this is where I want to, I want to show you something that we just blow through. Sometimes there's something just under the surface that's so significant that we need to go back and have the Lord show us the, what's there. And this starts off in verse 26 and said, um, at that same time or in that same period, or in that same generation where um, Enosh was uh, born for, to Seth, it says, man began to call on the name of the Lord. I said, I wonder what that means. So I did some studying, and in Amplify it kind of breaks it out and kind of tells you in parentheses this this calling on the name of the Lord. It means in worship, through prayer, praise, and thanksgiving. So somehow man began to want to, there was a hunger in them to find their way back to the Father and to the garden. They were lost, and they wanted to find what had been lost, and they began to seek him with their hearts, and they began to discover something that was unique they began to discover worship and in this in this definition of worship they began in prayer and praise and thanksgiving all of these things are going on depending on what the interaction is with god so in the aftermath of the separation from god men began to call on the name of the lord the Bible, uh, the Amplified Bible says that they, they had, and I, this is inferred, but i like to build a good story. I believe that Adam had time to convey to his kids what had happened in the garden. He was able to tell them, and I, you wouldn't believe this, but he says, I walked in the garden with God. We, we had a sweet communion together. And I remember those evenings in the cool of the evening when we would walk together, and he was right there. And all his children were sitting there and paying attention closely. And they were going, ooh, wish we could be there. Oh, that we could have God's presence again. And so in remembering this this story and remembering God, remember that word, remember. Something began that can only be described, in my opinion, as the first revival in mankind's history. Something began to happen when men turned in desperation to try to find God. This is an honest-to-goodness description of a revival. I've been in a revival, and I know what it looks like when God shows up in power. And this is is a description of kind of what happened there. So this revival was born in a generation, and it's here we see the first worshipers of God began to distinguish themselves from all the other people on the planet. And we know this because they began to call out to him in prayer and praise and thanksgiving. So how did that happen? How did revival come from just remembering the stories about God, retelling them and talking about his goodness? How did revival get born out of a place of giving thanks? That's kind of where I want to take you tonight, and I have some other uh, evidence here. But I think the answer is as clear as this. This first revival was born out of a hunger for God, and it came as a result of the witness of Adam to his children. As he told about the goodness of the Father, they became hungry. That thing in man that longs for God was, was warmed, it was birthed, it was illuminated. And something, and they began to do this, and something called, I, I just call this the passion of worship. They came upon something that was so incredible in this passion of worship that it actually took them into the presence of God. And so there's more verses in the Bible. There's tons of verses about Thanksgiving. But I'm going to pull out two psalms that I want to read to you for the sake of time and hunger. (laughs) (laughs) I I want to talk to you, first of all, the one you recognize most readily is most familiar, probably Psalm 100. And I'm going to read through that in a different translation because it sounds a little different in the passion and in the message. So Psalm 100, it opens with this descriptive title. You know, it always says Psalm 100. And then in italics, it'll say this is what the psalm is about. Well, this one says that this is Psalm 100. This is awkward with one hand. It's a poetic song for Thanksgiving. Well, I think that's appropriate. And so I just read through this. I'm going to read through the words and kind of just do a commentary as I go. Is that okay? So it reads like this. Lift up a great shout to the Lord. Go ahead and do it. That's what it says. That's what it says. Lift up a great shout to the Lord. Go ahead and do it. Everyone, everywhere, this is a worship leader calling the people, let's get with the program here. This is, this is a good thing. And he says, as you serve him, be glad and worship him. And then it says this, and I was reminded of this just a few moments ago. Sing your way into his presence with joy. There's something about coming before the Lord in this rowdy worship that's so sincere and expressive that just opens up heaven. And he says, you can pass through his open gates. Oops, I missed one. Realize what this means. Verse 3 says this. Go ahead and do this. Sing your way into his presence with joy and realize what this means. There's something here that you need to get a hold of that's important for you to recognize. So I'm going to point this out to you so you don't miss this. We have the privilege of worshiping the Lord our God. For he is our creator and we belong to him and we are the people of his. In one translation it says pasture. In this translation it says pleasure. You can pass through his open gates. Now listen to this language. With the password of praise. Hmm, That's interesting. It says come right into his presence with thanksgiving. Just come on in. Here's the password. It's all about praising God. And you're welcome here. You can walk right in the door. And affectionately now, affectionately, bless his beautiful name. So there's something really tender here. This is an intimate moment. And this psalmist is saying, this is the way this works. This is the way it worked in Genesis when the people brought revival to the land. And this is the way it works in Israel today. And so he says, and affectionately bless his name. Do this. And why would we do this? Verse 5 tells us. This is why. For the Lord is always good and ready to receive you. That's good news. He's always good and ready to receive you. He's so loving that it will amaze you. So kind that it will astound you. And he is famous for his faithfulness toward all. Everyone knows our God can be trusted. For he keeps his promises to every generation. So there's something that's introduced there that's an element of what worship looks like. Some, some elements that we want to look at. One of these is... There's access to God, and it happens as we rise up and begin to engage the process by thanking him. This is not a formula. It's not a template. And I'll show you in a moment, because Psalm uh, 89 is even better than this. This goes on to say, so I'm going to back up a few verses. I want you to remember this phrase, passwords of praise. Remember this, Okay. It's an unusual phrase. In fact, for some reason, though, it, when I read it, it bothered me. A password. that sounds formulaic and religious to me, and it just put me off. I thought, I don't like this translation, so I'll just keep reading and see if there's anything to it. And the very next sentence just grabbed me. And and by the way, both the translators end up in the same place with the same meaning. Both Brian Simmons and the, pa- and the pa- uh, Passion and Eugene Peterson in the message come to the same conclusion and use the exact same words that's really unusual for two translators to pull something out like that there must have been something of substance that described this that they could only use these words for meaning so as I read on I discovered that it wasn't what I imagined at all this passwords of praise it wasn't some charismatic hoopla, or some kind of thing that you're supposed to do because it's just the right thing. There's something to this, and there's meaning and method in it, according to the Lord. So in verse 6, I notice this. That when people do this, when they approach God and they begin to move through their history of remembering Him, something happens. And this is an incredible thing. This is not religion. This is relationship. Something warm begins to happen between me and God when I began to come to him with the, the honoring him and respect and telling myself who he is. And it says here's the, the result of these people doing is this, is the fruit of this experience, is that they were delighted and they danced all day long. Now, that's, that's pretty good worship, isn't it? They became delighted in this moment of connecting with God, and it caused them to rejoice and to dance. Imagine that. They were suddenly delighted. It's as though they approached God with words of gratitude. They're filled with delight. See, something's going on here that's beyond the, the, the brain, beyond the cerebral. This is a heart effect. And they become aware of who he is and what he does. They know who you are, it says in Scripture. What you do, they can't keep it quiet. This is erupting from these people. They remembered who he was and what he had done for them. But that's not all. As I read on, this Psalm 49 just took on, I mean, it just began to develop. And and I'm seeing an incredible worship service here happening in the Psalm. It says, um, in fact, the words just jumped off the page at me. At one point, I was... Personally, I was overwhelmed. I realized something was incredible it was happening as they came into the Lord's presence. There, there's an awareness of their connection with this incredible God, and it overwhelmed them. And thanksgiving and praise erupted from them in the form of singing and dancing and celebration. And they really took off into another dimension of worship. Now listen as they proclaim this. This is what these worshipers are saying. And they're singing this to God and says... Your vibrant beauty has gotten inside of us. Something happened in that moment where they entered into God's presence to do business with God, and something of his beauty began to get inside of them. He said, you've been so good to us all. We're walking on air. All we are and have we owe to God, the holy God of Israel, our king. Oh, my, I discovered something Here. Thanksgiving and praise is God's method and means of inviting us into a celebration of who he is. It's an open door, and we enter in this way, and we're welcome. It's not casual. It's not for the faint of heart. It's for those who are determined to engage God at some level of intimacy. turns out the words of the psalmist here were actually a map with directions on how to find God's house. In his heart. Bill Johnson once made this statement. And and when I read this, I thought, wow, this is just exactly what I'm developing in my message. I just want to reinforce it with somebody that's really noteworthy. And he says this, our ability to connect with God is what, what God is doing in the midst of our difficult circumstances. Our ability to connect with God and what he's doing in the midst of our difficult circumstances depends on two things our ability to remember who he is and what he's done for us. That's a direct correlation to the engage, the presence of God. That's an invitation. Come like this and come in close. See, connecting to God is linked to remembering him. And the remembering is all about reminding ourselves who he is and what he's done. Did I say that enough times? Now, These acts of remembering and celebrating God do not change God, by the way. Do you understand that he is perfect and without flaw? And there's nothing we can bring to him except ourselves. But our worship is something that he warms to. It's something he desires It's something that he loves because it draws us near. And we encounter him and something is of a transaction. There's a bond between us in that moment. He loves when we do this. God is unchanging in who he is. He is the same yesterday and today and tomorrow, forever. But it seems the greatest effect is on the ones who come to worship. Would you agree? So if we don't understand how this works... And what's happening here and how to engage him will be like the first generation after Seth. There will be some that didn't understand this. And there will be some that had great celebration and cause to move into God's presence. So there's something about understanding how this works and how we can approach God that makes us find access to his heart. <laughs> And I say that because in the past, I have offered Thanksgiving to God in a very religious way as if it was an obligation or a duty or some way to uh, get his attention. And uh, I've had to repent of that. That was not healthy. But as I learned what Thanksgiving meant, it changed the way I approached him. I've even had people, I've done recovery groups for years, and so uh, some of the people that come into our groups are not churched. Is that a good word? Uh, means they don't have a history with God and they don't understand the Bible and so they're just honest and blatant and sometimes um, it'll catch you off guard if they tell you the truth about what they really believe. For instance, why does God need our worship and thanksgiving? Is he so insecure he needs his ego stroked? I've had people actually say that to me. Is he so weak that he's got to have us just saying things to him to make him feel good? I think I'm safe in saying that God doesn't need our acknowledgement and our thanksgiving to make him feel secure or to stroke his ego because he doesn't have one. <laughs> He's perfect and there's no flaw in him and he doesn't have any, any baggage. So the issue here is not good with God, it's in us seeing him correctly. I think it's true that God is, like I said, is moved by genuine thanksgiving and praise, but I think the greatest effect is on us and so as we're talking about thanksgiving i think it's appropriate that if we're going to give thanksgiving to god which is an offering of giving thanks that would be it would be really good if we knew what we were doing and how important it is because this is a big deal it works this way turning our attention towards god can often lead to turning our affection toward god it follows that as we turn our head toward him and we our words come to express what we see in him that our hearts are warmed in that moment we are drawn to him this love relationship and a heart that's attentive and affectionate toward god will often emerge into another realm called the spirit it's 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 difficult to leave circumstances behind and approach god and pretend that everything's okay and everything's hunky-dory sometimes we bring our list with us don't we these are the things that are wrong and I really need your help and this is where we tend to go is our our dissertation or our list of things we need God to do but when we step over the threshold of the flesh or the natural into the realm of the spirit something begins to change in our understanding and our perspectives and this is some, I just wrote down some things that I've experienced as I've stepped over that threshold and entered in through that gate. And, and these are things that occurred to me. let see if it or resonates with you. My view of the world and its problems become blurred as I focus on his presence. My worries and concerns and fears begin to go out of focus. And I start to get tunnel vision on one thing, and that's the invitation to join him in this moment. I also experience an elevated um, sense of spiritual life, and my emotions seem to come into a healthier place. And I find myself letting go of lesser things. The list I had, I have to put down so that I can ex- do an exchange in this relationship. In the moment, there is only room for an expression of my gratitude and love to him as I see him the way he's been to me. So how do we learn to thank God and worship him? in this way how do we learn from these scripture passages how to do what they did and arrive at the same place how many of you will like to have that kind of relationship with God it's absolutely right here here's directions on how to approach him I think it's okay it's written in the book for our purpose to instruct us is it not so how do we do that well one way is to begin to remember him So if we're gonna approach God, instead of me dragging out my list of of things that I need him to answer, i leave that for another time and see if we even come back to it. Because there's something else more important here. The first thing is I need to remember, I need to look at who he is, and I need to remember the things he's done for me. When I do that, I begin to move into another place that I didn't anticipate. When I come near to God, suddenly everything is more brilliant, it's more understandable, it's warmer, it's more compassionate, there's, there's purity and righteousness and holiness, and I move into a different place in my heart. Begin to remember him, and then begin to just recount what comes to your mind. I wrote out some questions. Do we have an overhead that we can show? We don't. So I'm going to read these words to you, and I'll give you the questions. And then I want you to think about them for a moment. And then we're going to break into groups of three or four. And we're going to answer these questions with each other. Is that all right? And um, I don't have a whiteboard or anything. I'd write them up. Okay. Well, that maybe Yeah, That's okay. Let me just read it. What's that? All right. All right. Number one. One question. Can you remember? where you were when God found you. Can you remember where you were when God found you? Remember that, okay? Share that with someone. This is where I was and this was my condition. This is the state of my life when I found him. The other, another question is, can you remember and can you describe where you are now? What have you come to, and where are you today? Throwing out all my CR books, I'm a different person today, amen? And then we answer the question, in, in light of that, where I was and where I am today, what can I conclude that He's done for me? How did He get me from there to here? And what happened along the way? Just think of some things that Holy Spirit will help you. Just ask Him. Then I want you to remember when I think of those things, how do I feel? What does that bring up in me, in my heart, when I think about what God's done in my life and how he's brought me to this place? How do I feel? What are my emotions? And then my last question is, what are you going to do with those thoughts and emotions? How are you going to express them? What will you do with those feelings in that memory of God? Okay? This is just a, a way to prime the pomp, and coming to a place of thanksgiving, and I think it'll be helpful. So we're gonna break into our groups. <coughs> Sorry, I'm losing my voice. We're gonna break in groups, three or four people. We're gonna share these questions. Remember where you were and God found you? Where are you now? What happened along the way? How do you feel about that? And what will you do with those feelings and thoughts? Is that fair? You got some of that, Paula? Okay, so uh, I've got the list right here. If somebody needs to refer to it. We can pass it around. Julie, why don't you be... Uh, be you guys. Can you remember them? Copy, you can pass that around. Yeah. All right, let me do this. I'm going to pray for you, and then we'll, we'll start, okay? Because this is important. I want you to practice this. It doesn't Practicing something that's new doesn't mean you're going to be good at it. But it means that what we're doing is turning our focus and attention to God. All right? Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for this message. By your spirit, Lord, draw us into this place of worship so that we can go with you where you are. Let us experience your presence as these people did in Scripture. And this book is open to anyone who believes. And so we give ourselves to you in this pursuit in Jesus' name. Amen.